Hello, and welcome to the G2 Podcast. Hi, G2. I am a terrible gardener, really bad. I have a knack for turning things that are meant to be green into things that are not very green. I'm passionately, passionately unmotivated to do any gardening whatsoever. That's probably like 99% of the problem, really, isn't it? But I'm, I generally just kind of look at plants and go, you know, why can't you just look after yourself, right? Uh, all this watering malarkey, it's just oh, so much effort. And every summer, I look at my lawn uh, in despair, really. I, this grass, why do you have to keep growing? You know, I'm just going to have to mow you in two weeks, and then two weeks after that, and then two weeks after that. It's a waste of your energy. It's a waste of my time. It's frankly a toxic relationship. It's not productive for either of us. I do have two mini cacti. That should hopefully come up. That I've kept alive for seven wonderful years. And my foolproof winning strategy is I just forget to water them. Uh, and so cacti are really ideally suited to my very specific set of skills and abilities. As far as I know, to the best of my knowledge, I am the most gifted cacti farmer on my street. I was speaking to one of my neighbors who has a similar, had a similar mini cacti and passed away after a couple of months. Amateur. My two mini cacti, glorious. Full disclosure, I used to have three mini cacti. <laughs> Rest in peace, Steve. I'll keep Shaquille and Kobe alive in your memory. There is, there is a story for these names. Uh, Kobe kind of has these white fluffy bits that look like cobwebs, so he's called Kobe. Shaquille O'Neal was a famous basketball player, seven foot something, and so that's Shaquille, Shaq to his friends. And then Steve was just kind of average height, no notable features, so I just got him Steve. Uh, no offense, only Steve's here. We love Steve, Steve's a great name. At G2, we are pro Steve. Well, not more than any other name. Uh, we're like, no name discrimination here, really. Oh, except for Jesus, and I guess those are like above the other. Sorry, I'm digging myself a hole here, aren't I? It's probably why I'm such a terrible gardener, I just keep digging holes. Anyway, anyway, back on topic. We're not here to hear about my top cacti farming tips. We're here to listen to the best gardener of all. The gardener that plants seeds in our hearts and makes them grow. As we continue in the book of Matthew, uh, we're looking at Matthew 13, which you've all read now, the parable of the sower, which is one of the most iconic parables that Jesus told. Uh, now, for everyone that's not familiar with the term, a parable is a short and simple story about everyday life that reveals that what Jesus uses as a vehicle to reveal some divine truth about God and about his kingdom. And beneath that kind of almost deceptive simplicity is often layers of amazing truth. So let's read the passage. We're going to break it down into little chunks. So let's uh, have a look at the first bit. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. 
Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now Jesus had a massive crowd gathered who were ready to hear, they were eager to hear what Jesus had to say, and he could have spoken about anything. He could have spoken directly and very clearly about the Holy Spirit or salvation or repentance or any number of of topics. But instead, he basically just says, I was a farmer, he sowed some seeds, some grew, some didn't. If you have ears, then hear, which is frankly quite cryptic, isn't it? If I was there, I'd be wondering what, what is going on. And if I was a disciple, I'd be asking Jesus, why, why are you talking in such cryptic riddles? And so fortunately for us, one of the disciples asked exactly that. So let's read on. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Now this was about making truth known to people who were ready and willing to hear it, who were ready to listen. And the parables would be a blessing to those people. To people who didn't really want to hear what Jesus had to say, the parables, words might be heard, but the underlying meaning and the underlying truth might not be understood. You will be ever hearing but not understanding. You know, it still kind of begs the question, why not just tell it straight, right? Tell it straight to everyone so that everyone can understand. Well, I think... Jesus' Jesus's strategy wasn't to pick up some rolls of Scripture and bash people on the head with it until they believed, right? Not really his style. He was more like, I'm going to come halfway with these parables, and you come halfway with your ears ready to listen. I'm going to come halfway with the truth, and you come halfway with your hearts open. Or it's really more like 99% of the way, and you do the 1% kind of thing. But I don't think it's about setting up barriers it's, you know, Jesus is all about breaking down barriers uh, for us. And the, the same applies here. He wasn't asking and demanding that everyone uh, had an encyclopedic knowledge of Old Testament scripture or that they, uh, you know, would lay a series of burnt offerings for Jesus. He was just asking for people to listen or even just to nurture a desire to listen. And anyone that nurtured that desire to listen to what Jesus was saying, they would be rewarded. Now, I am marginally better at listening than I am at gardening. 
you'll be pleased to know. Actually, I'm probably underselling myself a bit. I think I'm generally a good listener, but my mind does wonder a little bit, probably more than the average person. Mid-conversations, I will sometimes just forget that someone is talking to me, not because the topic is boring, but my mind will just unintentionally wander to something trivial and completely unrelated. So I'll be thinking, have I watered my cacti in the last month? Sorry, a little bit of a runny nose today. So after, after I have these random thoughts, I'll eventually realize that somebody is still talking to me. So I should probably come back into the room and, and listen again, right? Uh, but I think although Jesus isn't necessarily in the same way standing in front of us talking, I think sometimes when Jesus or God is trying to tell us something, we kind of do the same, don't we? We're kind of listening, but not really listening. So let's get, back, let's get back to listening to Jesus. Verse 17 is interesting. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Here Jesus is talking about prophets and leaders who have come before Jesus, who would have done anything to see and hear what the disciples were seeing and hearing at this time. They had the Son of God come to earth, teaching them directly on amazing truths about God and his kingdom. What a blessing for these disciples, right? And then through the text of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we, in a way, have a similar blessing too. We don't just hear the parable. We get to hear what Jesus was saying to his disciples, explaining the parable. I don't think I acknowledge often enough how much of a blessing it is to be able to read in such intimate detail of Jesus' life and his teaching and his word. So let's read on. Verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Now, the seed in this parable represents God's word and teaching. Here we see Jesus talk about four possibilities for the seeds that the sower sows. Some of the seed lands on the path where there's no soil and they get washed away or picked up by birds. These seeds represent people that are not interested in hearing or learning from the gospel. Some of the seed has gone beyond the soil and lands on rocky ground, where there isn't enough soil for the plant to properly take root. These seeds represent people that hear the gospel, but when they hit any problems or persecution from their beliefs, they quickly fall away. Some of the seed lands in the soil, but is surrounded by thorns that quickly grow and choke out the plant. 
Now, this represents people who hear the gospel but lose sight of it amongst the many worries and different priorities in life. And finally, some of the seed lands on good soil where it thrives and is abundantly growing. And this represents people who have a desire to listen and embrace the gospel and the message that Jesus has. And let God's word and God's love and God's truth take root. I once bought a lemon tree to go in my conservatory. Now, I am an excellent citrus farmer, you should know. Uh, under my carefully executed regime of underwatering, overwatering, and general negligence, after a couple of years, I had no leaves left and was just a sad skeleton of a tree. I did tell my lemon tree many parables, but it turns out lemon trees don't have ears to hear, so well, don't think it can be my fault. Anyway, the classical perspective on this parable is to consider which of these seed categories we fall into. Do you feel like your roots are shallow? Do you feel like your faith is crowded out by the thorns and weeds of life? Do you feel like my lemon tree? Or do you feel like you are on good soil where God is multiplying the fruits of the Spirit in your life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To be honest, I think there's great value in looking at this parable with a slightly different perspective. Like for me, I don't really feel like I definitely fit into any of these clearly defined, discrete categories. Like there are parts of my life that sure feel like they're on good soil and God is making fruits burst forth, but there's also parts in amongst thorns. Uh, that, and my priorities are other things that kind of crowd out God. There's parts that feel like they're on rocky ground where I haven't really let God fully take root. And there may even be things that God has been trying to tell me, but I'm not really, I'm not really listening, and that message is just being plucked away. It's been a really crazily busy nine months for me, the last nine months, with the biggest changes ever in work and in relationship. And basically every week has been packed to the brim with something. And unintentionally, that has come with a cost, to how much I prioritize God. For example, I used to think about God a lot more through any particular day, uh, not you know, in every waking moment, but I'd be kind of in the background. I'd be recognizing God's goodness or occasionally checking in and, and just recognizing God's presence in my life. But if I'm honest, over the last nine months, not so much of that has happened. What may have felt like seeds planted in good soil in that area of my faith and journey with Jesus it maybe feels like it's being a bit crowded out now. Is there an area of your faith that seems like it might be getting crowded out? When you pray or read the Bible, do you feel like you're, you're listening but not listening or really actively listening? And it's worth noting that Jesus isn't telling us that through our righteousness and like hard work at planting roots, we're going to earn our way into blossoming fruits and salvation. It's not like that. It's God that makes the soil good, not us. It's Jesus that is the water of life, not what we do. It is the Spirit that makes fruits burst forth. 
in our lives. Now, the first step is recognizing those areas of our lives where, and areas of our faith where we might not be listening, we might not have invited God in so much, and then to ready our ears and to invite God in. So what we're going to do now is a bit of a guided meditation. Uh, some of you might have done a similar one with me before in a zone room we did a few months ago, uh, but I want you all to get comfortable. Shake your arms a little bit, shake your shoulders, loosen up, feel the vibe. No, don't, we don't want that vibe right now, so ignore that. But loosen up and close your eyes with me. Take a deep breath in and out. And in and out. And just focus on your breathing. Let other thoughts fade away. Imagine with me that you are sitting on a bench in a very large garden surrounded by tall brick walls. The sky is clear on this spring morning. It's very quiet. There are no birds singing or cars passing by. It's a private space just for you. There's a large metal gate in one of the walls, but it's locked shut. Imagine you stand up to walk around this garden. As you look around, some parts are looking really healthy. There's a patch of lawn that looks well-tended, and there are tulips blossoming in reds and pinks. You walk across this beautiful lawn and come to some apple trees with fresh red apples. You walk further and find some parts of the garden that are not looking so well-tended. You see some daffodils, but they are looking pale and being crowded out by weeds and thorns. You see some daisies on a shallow patch of soil that haven't had enough water and look withered. You come onto a path and there are some seeds that have fallen there. You walk back to the bench to sit down. Now keep your eyes closed and focus on your breathing. This walled garden represents your heart. There are some parts that are well-tended, parts that God has touched, parts that you have let God touch with his love, his goodness, his wisdom. There are some parts that are not so well-tended, parts that maybe you haven't invited Jesus into before. Now, as you imagine sitting in this scene and look around, what does the beautiful lawn represent in your heart? What about the tulips, the apple trees? Think about where you find the fruits of the Holy Spirit present in your thoughts and actions. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Perhaps you've had some tough times but continue to feel a deep peace from the knowledge of God's love. Perhaps you've shown kindness to a friend or stranger. Perhaps you're faithfully praying every day. Imagine what these areas represent in your heart. 
What do the daffodils crowded by weeds represent? What do the daisies on the shallow patch of soil represent? Think about where there might be space that God could fill. Maybe you haven't been so keen to invite God into this part of your life or your faith. As you sit on this bench, you look up to the sky, you get this overwhelming sense that there is an incredible divine presence nearby, but it can't get into the garden because the gate is locked. So you get up from the bench, you walk to this large metal gate, and you open it. And you say, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, come into my heart and nourish me. Sow your seeds and make them grow. I am ready to listen to you. I am ready to be nourished by you. As you open the gate and say the prayer, God enters the garden. Maybe you feel a gust of wind. Maybe you imagine Jesus physically walking in. Whatever it is for you, you witness God's presence enter the garden of your heart. He passes by the daffodils. The weeds and the thorns shrivel up, and you're just left with the beautiful daffodils. He passes by the daisies on the shallow patch of soil, moves them onto a patch of good soil, and invigorates them with life and color. You hear birds start to chirp and sing. Think of the areas of your garden that need tending, and invite God to nourish and tend those areas. And take a deep breath in and out. And open your eyes. In John chapter 15, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they tend to the garden of our heart. Sometimes our ears are closed like a locked metal gate. But if we open that gate and let Jesus in, invite Jesus in, we can receive nourishment. He can make our roots grow stronger, make our branches bear fruit. He can give us a peace that lasts through tough times and doesn't get crowded out by thorns. He can give us joy that isn't based on worldly things that come and go, but a joy that fills us to the bottom of our souls. And he can give us love that overflows from our hearts. 
as we explore more of Jesus' parables in upcoming small groups over the next few weeks. Imagine opening that locked metal gate. As you go about your week and read or pray, read the Bible or pray, invite Jesus in and let him sow seeds and make them grow in the garden of your heart. Amen.